Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of In the Spirit of Horse. My name is Mo- <laughs> Mosey Truitt, and this week, you just got me. It's just little me here. Excited to talk, talk to you guys. And this is the third time I'm recording this, <laughs> because this is the first solo episode um, of season four. And I'm kind of forgetting... I didn't forget, but I'm trying to get back into the groove of how difficult it can be to kind of talk to yourself. I guess I'm talking to you guys, but, you know, I'm alone in a room and it's a little bit of a different experience than talking to someone else on this podcast. And I love it and it's really fun and I used to have a great time with it and it's just been a while. So I'm just getting back into the swing of things and uh, this is my third take. But you know what? This take is going pretty good right now, so I think this one's going to be it. I think we're keeping this one. I'm so happy to have you guys here. Basically this week, I just wanted to talk to you guys about basics for medical procedures and vet care and just kind of different ways you can make really basic but sometimes stressful situations with your horses a little bit easier by um, implementing some fun games and making vet care more of a game and less of just a scary thing that happens, you know, every so often. So I just kind of wrote down some of my ideas of the things that have made my life way easier. Some of them are kind of simple, but for many years I didn't do them because I just hadn't thought of it. So that's kind of what I wanted to talk about this week. And then in the beginning of the episode, I also was really curious about this question I asked on Instagram about the wild horses. And so I'm going to dive into that a little bit in the beginning first, um, because I just think it's like, I don't know, it's almost like a fun online quiz. You'll see what it is when we get into the episode. But um, yeah, I'm I'm just curious to see your guys' answers. So yeah, uh, let's just dive into the episode. this recording because I quote-unquote messed up at any point because it'll make editing so much easier. So if I do mess up, I'm just going to keep going and it might become an awkward silent moment or a stumbling of words. And you know what? I'm just going to keep going, I think, hopefully. Um, But maybe that won't even happen. Who knows? Anyway, guys, I am so excited to be talking to you guys this week and like I said in the intro I really want to start with this kind of like almost online quizzy game question I asked you guys it's really simple but I'm really excited by your guys answers and I want to give you guys a little bit more context so on Instagram I asked you guys which of the wild horses in the herd for voices of the herd um, have you guys felt most drawn to just kind of off the bat, like you've seen their picture, you're really intrigued by them. I find that like a lot of people um, tend to feel drawn to like one or two of those horses. And I think this is so interesting because 
I love to watch in my real life when people come to the ranch and see which horses people are drawn to. And I've noticed some like personality traits that have mixed like certain people with certain kind of personality traits that are kind of similar will all be drawn to a similar horse or like one horse of mine. And I don't know, I'm just fascinated by it. I don't know if there's like one right answer. There's definitely not one right answer, you know, of which horse goes with what personality. But I think it's really cool to see what horses you're drawn to and maybe like what traits in them stir up different things or different, um, desires or different uh, things that resonate you with you in you. So if you haven't done this already, uh, go and take a look at all of the wild horses at Voices of the Herd. And I want you to just pick the one that is like calling to you the most and the one you feel drawn to. And maybe you already know, or maybe you haven't seen them. So if you haven't seen them, you can pause and like go take a look at them. Because in the beginning of this episode, I am going to kind of go through all of them and just tell you what I think their personality is like and what their energy is like. And then you guys can just listen and wait for your favorite horse or two to come up and see if, I don't know, that matches anything or says anything about you. I don't know if it will, but I think it's so interesting. So just to give you guys, the horses are Searsha, the gray mare. Molly, the other gray mare, Aragon, the brown stallion with like the white snippets down his face, um, Griffin, the bay stallion, and May, who is Indra's mom, who is like the dark brown bay um, mare, Arya, who is our chestnut sorrel mare, Athena, who passed away, but I still want to include her on this because... She's amazing, and she was one of our bay mares and the um, mom to Artemis. And then Indra, our blue roan baby, our little filly, who right now actually just kind of looks, uh, she looks kind of just brown. She looks like her mom, but in the summer, she's she goes into roan color. It's really cool. And then Artemis, who is our most adorable little, well, I shouldn't say most adorable. Both of them are the most adorable, but little bay baby who is Athena's daughter. So yeah, those are the horses. And now I'm just going to go through the list quickly and not quickly. We can take our time. I'm just going to go through the list and give you guys a little bit of a synopsis of sorts of all of them. And you can see what you think. Okay. So first Searsha. Searsha is the gray mare. Well, let me tell you a couple stories about Searsha. So Searsha, when she first got here, the first week these horses were brought here, which was only like a week or two since they were rounded up out of the wild, and they're all about the age like 16, except for the babies, so very wild horse, she was actually one of the very first to um, sniff my hand. But since then, she has still stayed um, a little bit reserved and to herself. But she has this curiosity about her that is almost pixie-like. She reminds me the most of all of them like a magical unicorn. She is really beautiful and very graceful in a way. They're all graceful, but that kind of like magical unicorn fairy feeling I really get from Saoirse. Um, 
And she's curious and she's brave, but she's also kind of shy. That's how I've kind of taken it from, you know, sometimes she feels really brave and she'll come up and she'll sniff, but it's this really light sniff. And then she's kind of happy to go back to her herd and like kind of hide behind another horse. Um, But there's like a confidence in that. And it's not this like raging, bold confidence, like I'm just going to storm right up to you, but this quiet confidence that I find pretty magical. She also, with Molly, um, and we think the two of them are related, um, she's a huge mountain climber. Like you'll go out into the sanctuary and all the horses will be kind of like grazing. They all graze on the mountain, but you'll see Saoirse and Molly up in these steep places of the mountain that you don't even think horses can go. And they are total badass mountain climbers that just like hide in the bushes and emerge when they, uh, when they want to like grace you with their presence. But a difference with Saoirse than Molly on that is Molly used to like disappear into the bushes. Um, and you just wouldn't see her. You'd know she was there, but you just wouldn't see her. But Saoirse, kind of makes herself known more, which is why she feels a little bit more like a unicorn to me. Saoirse is one that you'll like see in the bushes and she's, she's just like perfectly framed by flowers and leaves and, um, and like golden light. She always seems to be like surrounded in the most beautiful places. Um, and I think that's just a really good visual for Saoirse. I think of her as kind of like this unicorn princess but still very tough, still like a wild horse, like climbing mountains, um, knows herself, but in this really beautiful feminine way. I just love her and she's amazing. And yeah, that's kind of how I picture Saoirse. Then let's get into Molly. So Molly is the other gray mare and Molly, I think has had one of the biggest transformations being here. Um, in the beginning, Molly was very, Uh, it's not shy and it's not aloof. She was just kind of, like I said, she would disappear and you would go out into the woods and you would, you know, finally come across all the horses and you'd see them all, but you wouldn't see Molly, but you would know she was around and you'd know she was watching you (laughs) and you could feel her. And then every once in a while she would just emerge almost out of like invisibility and you'd just be like, Oh wow there you are, Molly. I I knew you were somewhere, but I really couldn't find you even when I was looking really hard for you. So she was kind of elusive, I could say in the beginning. Um, but she also, uh, she had some complications in the beginning when she was here, she was pregnant and we think with a stillborn baby. So she used to seem a little bit more, um, tired in a way, like her face used to be more, um, exhausted or spent. And then after she had her baby and her baby was born, um, not alive, things really seemed to like transform for her. And it seemed as though she kind of went through this grieving process that she was already in when she got here. Um, which, you know, she also had just been rounded up out of the wild. So there's a lot of change. Um, but it seems like she moved from this grieving process into this livelihood she has now. And so I'm kind of getting to know Molly in a whole new way now. 
because Molly now is, she still like seems to have this ability to, if she wants to disappear into the woods, she totally can, but she's choosing to stay out in the open more. And she's bright and she's kind of full of like vitality now. And so I still feel like she has this, I don't know, like there's still this, this wisdom or something like she kind of felt like a sage. Like if you, if Saoirse felt like a unicorn, Molly kind of feels like this mystical witch or like a sage or something. And, um, I still really feel that wisdom from Molly even more so I should say. Um, but she's a lot bolder and she's coming out a lot more and she's makes eye contact with you. And she, um, she's kind of like lower on the order of if we give hay, like what the, the order of like who gets to eat first, but she's so smart. Like she waits for me knowing that like, I will give her a special pile. And I kind of feel like she trained me to do that because when she started feeling better and I would give hay, she would like look at me very like purposefully and, and convince me or not convince me, but like kind of showed me like, yeah, she needs another pile or she needs space to eat away. And I feel like she's very direct like that. It's funny. I feel like of all the horses, I have maybe the least to say about Molly, about knowing like what her personality really, really is only because I really feel like it's changing or more so she's becoming more and more herself in front of me all the time. So yeah, I'm excited to see more of, of her and get to know her a little better. And I'm really, really excited to see her kind of blossoming. Okay, moving through the list, Aragon. Aragon is our uh, beautiful, like, brown stallion. I know there's probably, like, a name for that color brown, and I should probably know it being a horse person, but it's, like, that dark, almost blackish brown. Um, and then he has, like, this really incredible blaze down his nose. And Aragon, oh, my gosh. Aragon is so sweet for being not for anything, just he is so sweet. Um, a little bit of a story about Aragon. Um, when he first got here and we had to unload all the horses together, he was with the mares um, because we brought them, the stallions and the mares together in the trailer because that's the only way they could load them up at the BLM. And when he was with the mares, there was so much peace. <laughs> like you could, Griffin had kind of like been uh Griffin was by himself for like a couple days while we were with Aragon and the mares. And yeah, when he was with the mares, it was like you could, I don't know, I don't want to, because all of them have their own personalities, but there was like this relaxedness around him that you don't really feel around Griffin. Even being like a stallion with all the mares and like, you know, he's like protecting them and they're protecting him. Um, and there's still all that going on, but like when you were with them, even though they were brand new, like you could kind of relax a little bit more around him. Um, and getting to know him, he's just seems really kind hearted. Um, I haven't gotten to know him much like 
up close. I think mainly because Griffin kind of doesn't let him get too close to us. But for instance, Griffin right now, the other stallion that he's with, will let us come up to him. Um, but then as soon as you bring like something into the into the sanctuary, like a wheelbarrow or um, a bucket even, he's like freaked out by those and like runs away and has like a whole big reaction. Aragon is still not very comfortable with people right now, but he doesn't have those reactions to these foreign objects that are coming in, um, like the wheelbarrow and the bucket. And he was the first horse here to actually be able to eat grain out of a bucket when I was trying to give him dewormer, which I was actually amazingly able to give the wild horses dewormer. It was crazy. Um, and Aragon kind of showed me that was possible. So he's very brave. Um, but again, in this kind of like quieter manner, he kind of reminds me of Searsha in that way. Like he's, he seems deeply kind and, um, yeah, he just seems to also take a lot of things in stride. Like he seems to, um, take to new surroundings really well and in a calm, um, peaceful manner. Another story about him is, uh, Griffin has been known to break down gates and, and bust out of places. So many gates, Griffin jump like six foot fences. Oh my gosh, Griffin. Um, but one time Griffin did that. He broke out of a five foot gate and like was running, you know, somewhere in the sanctuary. And I came to see the gate and I was like, oh my gosh, like, uh, are both of the stallions out? And I look in there and Gr and Aragon is like still in his like designated area, like munching super peacefully. I think just really happy to have Griffin gone. And he was just like so peaceful and, um, I was just so grateful to him. I was like, oh, Aragon, like <laughs> here Griffin has like broken out and being the rebel that he is that I love. But like in this stressful moment, you're just like peacefully munching some grass and <laughs> making my life easy and being a total sweetheart. So I, I like to think of that when I think of Aragon, just, you know, this chaos, like Air <laughs> Griffin can be like a bit of like this force of like Thor, like coming in with thunder and like, I don't know, this like force of nature, like a little bit chaotic. And then Aragon is just like next to him, like, okay, when you're done, like maybe then I can just peacefully eat some grass. <laughs> um, and not to say that Aragon doesn't have his moves too, because he totally, totally does. Um, but overall, he's a very peaceful man. And I really appreciate that about him. Okay, and that takes us to Griffin. So Griffin is the other wild stallion we have here. And he is what I would consider, like, when you think wild stallion, <laughs> that is Griffin. He also, when he first got here, we had the most, like, interesting kind of dances together. Where he'd be out in the sanctuary, and he'd kind of let me get close, even in the beginning, but then would puff up and challenge me like you would imagine a wild horse would challenge another horse in the wild, like neck and like you can just feel the energy. And it was one of the first times I really felt that with a horse where I was like, wow, this is like the wild spirit, like 
this is the protective side of the wild spirit coming out. And I'd have to do this really like, like intricate dance of energy with him in those moments where we're out in the sanctuary and then he like kind of comes up to me and he challenges me and I can't challenge him too hard back because he'll take that as a, like an invitation to fight and like, I'm not going to win that fight and that'll be super scary. But I also can't back down um, because I can feel how that wouldn't be a good option either. So I have to like stand my sacred ground but not push into his boundaries and not let him to push into my boundaries. And it was this very like subtle but important balance that like just felt so wild. And yeah, that was like one of my first interactions with Griffin. (laughs) And that still happens, you know, like he, he makes you really respect, I think, all aspects of the wild. And the other thing I love about Griffin is that he really shows me how connection and gentleness and softness and also wildness and um, fiery, like fire, internal fire and um, autonomy and power, those things do not have to clash and they can be part of us and they don't, they're not at odds with each other. Because Griffin has shocked me the most. Um, You know, Athena was the first wild horse to let us like, or to actually invite us in to touch her and be with her. And that was like totally her choice. And that she, she's so magical. I'll get to her. Um, But Griffin was like the last horse I would expect to want to interact with people because he was just so wild. Like when we first got him, and the BLM was loading them all into the trailer, which, you know, through a chute, the way that they do, they're completely wild. Um, instead of going to the trailer, Griffin tried to jump over the trailer, like in full rear, his legs on top of the trailer. He tried to jump out. <laughs> and luckily he didn't get hurt, but like that is like the level that he will go to. And again, so many, so many fences he has broken down. Um so many gates just flying over them and knocking them down and just everything you think a wild horse might do. But he also has like been open to human connection and he now is like one of the sweetest wild horses um, and one of the most friendly wild horses here. When we had the summit for this podcast um, last spring, he actually let everyone at the summit come up to him through a fence and and say hi to him and touch him and he's like a wild stallion like he hasn't lost his like all everything I've been telling you about like none of that is lost and none of that has been broken out but he also has been exploring this gentleness with humans and has been open to both things and he doesn't compromise on himself but he also the more he trusts is willing to be very sweet and, um, and has like a real gentle nature to him. And I just love that. I don't know, like there's no conflict in him. I don't think with those two parts, it's not like he's sweet. And then I see that like, Oh, lose, like, (laughs) sorry, let me say that again. It's not like 
he's acting sweet and then all of a sudden he realizes he's in a vulnerable position and then he like retreats and goes to like this kind of um more aggressive place he has like none of that it feels very much like he's sweet and he's completely comfortable with that vulnerability now that he trusts it and it's like he doesn't doubt his his wildness or that his like vivaciousness is gone because he is being sweet like I don't think he has internal conflict with that and I think I've seen some horses have that where especially if they've been abused you know they might start to let their guard down and then like realize it's down and and retreat and like maybe lash out because they realize it's been so vulnerable but he's just like so confident in both of that he's super confident in his soft sweetness and he's also very confident in his wild uh wild side I would say wild includes soft and fire. So yeah, maybe more his fire side is what I mean. Anyway, he's amazing. He's so, so interesting. I love him. Okay, on to May. Wow, okay, we're doing... If <laughs> Hopefully you guys are interested in this. I'm enjoying talking about it. So if we, if we take time, we take time. Okay, May. Um, so May is Indra's mom. And May... May is so badass. (laughs) May does not have much fear. Um, She is... How do I... Sorry, I just... I really have to... Like, there's so much to say about May. Um, Or I want to put in the right words. May, I think, has a total kind side. But she also like does not have room for bullshit (laughs) and she has really good boundaries and um has a sass to her which is so funny because she's also totally passed a lot of that down to her daughter but may um may is one of the only other horses you can touch where she'll come up to you right now it's you know the babies and griffin and may and the way May approaches you, though, is different than how Griffin approaches you. Griffin kind of decides and then comes with a sweetness, and you can kind of feel that sweetness um, as he approaches you. May comes up with, like, a little bit more suspicion, (laughs) and then, like, you can really see her think if it's, like, worth it to her. Like, does she really want you to pet her, and is it something that, like, she feels like serves her in like this really good way. Like I don't mean it in this, like, I mean it in the best of ways possible because I love that boundary setting from May and that also like putting what she wants first. Um, and she also has a total soft side. Like she's such a good mom and she's really sweet. Like, you know, if you start, if she comes up to you and you, start treating her in a really nice way that she enjoys she's really really sweet um but she also has like a kind of no nonsense and like um a sass about her I don't know like I'm trying to think of stories of like her sass but um it's something you just kind of feel like you'll walk around her and I actually feel pretty comfortable around her like of all the wild horses I think walking around them May is one of the ones that I feel most comfortable around. And I think it's in her clear boundaries. Like, 
she's not that um, mysterious to me. I, I mean, she is, because I don't know always what she's going to do. And she definitely has like a mystical side to her. But I, I feel like you, you can kind of see what's coming with May, usually. Um, and you know how she feels. I feel like she's like one of the friends that tells you exactly how she feels and she doesn't sugarcoat it, but like the bluntness and the honesty is really refreshing. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's just kind of how I see her. Like she kind of reminds me of my sister a little bit, actually. My little sister can um, be kind of blunt and tell you just what she thinks and doesn't have too much of a filter and not in any kind of mean way, but just in a like an honest way. And it's honest to her. And that's how May feels to me. Like she's, she's just honest and that has some sass and she is who she is. And she's not super sugarcoated, but she's also deeply kind and yeah, great mom. And also like, I don't know, to show like she has this sass and she really like, I don't know, stands up for herself and is no pushover. But also she like adopted another baby, you know, she adopted Artemis to nurse from her too. And she's raising two babies. And I just feel like that shows like this kindness and this nurturing of May that is so beautiful. And, um, I don't know, she's such a good mom and like so loving in that way. But also that doesn't mean that she compromises on herself in any way or her attitude or how she walks boldly into life and how she's not really scared of many things and she's not that reactive. And um, yeah, I just, I love her honesty and I, I love her. She's, she's wonderful. She's great. Um, okay, on to Arya. So Arya is the sorrel mare. And she is who I would consider to be now, like, the lead mare. Um, she, in that, and I think sometimes we think about, like, what lead mare or whatever, like, the different roles of horses, um, I think in training he get kind of mixed up. But what I mean with her is she is, like, the herd protector. Um, I think Arya means, like, lioness, and um, the name Arya means lioness. And that fits her to me so well. She is like, I picture her like a lion in the sun. <laughs> like that is Arya. Um, she, I think is like, honestly, one of the only horses that has never, that I've never touched in any way. Um, I think all of them, like at some point, maybe like a tiny bit of nose on my shoulder or on my hand. Um, I've gotten from all of them, but never from Arya. Arya does not want to come up or be touched by people. Um, and being the protector of the herd, I could see a shift. She changed when like she started to accept and I think trust that we could be in the herd, that like I could come into the herd and if another horse wanted to come up to me, that that horse was safe. Um... And so she started to like let her guard down more around me and other people. But yeah, she doesn't have the trust in us yet to come up. And, you know, we're not going to ever ask her to. I mean, I shouldn't say ever. We don't know like if there was ever like 
an evacuation, maybe I'd have to do something, but, um, you know, it's not in the plan to force any of these horses to interact with us. Um, especially the mares where, you know, I can kind of, we have like this agreement where Aria doesn't come up with, up to me, but if I need her to lead the herd somewhere, um, magically somehow she does and she will. And, um, I feel like we have that kind of respect. Like she doesn't want to be touched. I don't touch her. Um, but we have a communication going on, but more on her. Um, yeah, Arya is really, like I've said, the protector of the herd. And I've seen her be like fierce and very like, um, like I, I feel like she would stop at no end to protect the babies or to protect the herd. And she is so tough, like so tough. Like, I don't know. That's why I think of her as like a lioness. She's just confident and strong and her body like matches her spirit. And it's just like massive and strong and like, um, and she's so sweet too. Like when Athena died and, uh, before May had kind of taken Artemis in and started nursing, uh, Arya was Athena's best friend and Arya kind of immediately took Artemis under her wing. And, uh, even when Athena was still here with us, um, Arya was protecting Artemis like from the day she was born. And when I first started coming down and Artemis was only a couple days old, Athena was trusting of me and Artemis and, you know, was happy with me coming up to both of them. But Arya would like stand between me and the baby. And if there was a wrestling in the bushes, Arya was like the first one, even before Athena to like walk straight over to Artemis and just block between the bushes and little Artemis. So she's just so attentive and so aware. And, um, and that's really what I think of as like the lead mare position, you could say. I think a lot of it has to do with protecting and the responsibility of taking care of the herd. Cause that's what I really feel from Arya. She's like this leader. She's like a CEO. <laughs> she's like a president, but she's like also with that, um, has so much responsibility and she takes that responsibility on in stride and is just a total badass in that way. She has a lot on her plate. She has a lot of, um, things to take care of and a herd to, make sure everyone's okay. And, um, but she's just so brilliant at it and so strong and tough and amazing and a lion. Okay. On to Athena. So Athena, um, man, Athena, Athena is no longer with us, but I did really want to include her on this list because she was like just the most amazing. Uh, I have a whole episode on her too. So if you want to look into Athena more, you can listen to that episode. Um, but just quickly, Athena was the first horse, like I think the week she got here, um, she opened up her heart to people like immediately and in such a decisive way. Um, 
she never had like a timid, a timid moment about opening up her heart, which I think is one of the strongest, most amazing things we can do in this life. Like to be open hearted like that, um, and be courageous with our hearts and being soft. Like, I just think it takes so much strength and so much courage. And that's just who she was to me. Yeah. Like the first week she was coming up to me and, and touching me, like she put her head like on my shoulder and she was this wild horse and it was crazy. Like none of the other horses are even close to that. And there was never an issue of her wanting to trust and be open with us, which was like a shock and just a total gift. Her presence in my life and here was just like the biggest gift. And she was also like, she was a leader in a different sense than Aria. And this is where I think there's like, there's different roles. Like, I think Aria would actually more accurately be like the alpha mare. I don't really like that, but in the sense that she's the protector, which I think is different than the um, role of leader. So I might, maybe should have said that differently with Aria, but Aria, uh, Aria <laughs> was the protector and is the protector. Athena was totally the leader in the sense that she was the one that would actually lead the herd to new places. And Arya, who is the protector, um, is very brave, but like in the face of fear. So when something is scary, she rounds up the herd and is a little, is more reactive to fear. She, um, I think in general is more scared, but it doesn't make her less courageous because she kind of then faces the fear. But Athena um, had a different relationship to fear. I think Athena faced fear with more curiosity and less protectiveness. And I think both are very important. Like they're both vital roles in the herd to keep them safe. Um, but while Arya is like the protector in the container, Athena expanded the herd. So Athena would take them to new places and, um, be the first to be brave about new things. So, you know, something that might freak Arya out the most, Athena would be like the first to go over and investigate it. And that's how she led. Like she led with confidence and courage and like the kindest, sweetest, most loving heart of all the horses. I mean, I think they all have amazing hearts, but she was just like amazing. I don't know. Um, and, and I think just wanted to, to trust and she trusted, she trusted so much and it made her life so expansive. And she just always seemed like happy and interested and, um, and nurturing and so loving. And she was just absolutely incredible. And even when she had her baby, Artemis, like, you know, I was expecting things to maybe change and I was expecting she could have a baby and then she could get protective. And I, you know, even though she's been very open to me coming up to her, she could have the baby and then not want me to go up to her anymore and not want me to touch the baby. And that would be totally normal and okay. 
but like the first day when Artemis was just like a couple hours old, like she invited me in and like wanted to share in that process and would like let me babysit. Like she would go rest and she'd let me watch her baby the way that she would let Aria watch her baby while she rested. (laughs) And I don't know, she had like the biggest heart, golden big heart. Um, so that's Athena. Absolutely amazing. I feel like there's something else I wanted to say about Athena, but I'm, what was it? Oh yeah. One last thing about Athena. Athena also was like, no, (laughs) no weakling. Um, one time I, when Artemis was really young, um, my dog was barking at her and I was like, oh my gosh, Freya, like, you need to stop barking at this baby. (laughs) Like the mares are going to get mad. And none of the mares cared. Like they were all letting, um, Freya just bark at Artemis, but I really wanted her to stop. Um, cause I was just, I didn't know what she was going to do or she'd get too close. And then if, you know, one of the mares like wouldn't like it and kind of run over to her. So I threw a, like this cone at my dog, not to hit my dog, but like next to her to like kind of startle her because when she gets in a barking fit like you can't really get her attention so I just wanted to get her attention and then like call her to me and I threw that just lightly on the ground but Athena must have just seen it like pass through her her side vision and she like beat the crap out of it like I have never seen a horse like attack something so viciously like she was out to kill it she thought it was a threat to her baby and she just like pinned her ears and her mouth like you could see all her teeth like she was a snarling wolf and her legs were like up at the height of her head and she was stomping and ripping and I've never seen a horse do that and that was the most like like insanely vicious I've seen in a good way but like that I've seen any of the wild horses be ever in my life and it was so crazy and cool and protective and she was killing it like she wanted to kill the cone um because it threatened her baby and it just made me appreciate her open heart even more (laughs) because I was like wow like you are no weakling and if you didn't want us here like you could just tear us apart like all of them could but how amazing that you actually just open your heart to us and that you're so sweet and so gentle like I just really put things into perspective for me. Um, Okay, last two, last two. (laughs) Indra. So Indra is um, May's baby. And Indra came out the most firecracker of a little horse that I've ever seen. She, okay, so to give some context, Artemis um, was born and I didn't see her pin her ears like in, you know, in any kind of like way at all for about like a month and a half was the first time I saw her pin her ears at anything. Um, Indra, the very first day she was born, she was like still like 24 hours old. She pinned her ears and was trying to push Molly off of her food. (laughs) Like she was a day old and she was pinning her ears, trying to move like a big horse, a full grown horse out of her way. So she could take the grass. (laughs) And of course it didn't work. Molly was just like, what are you doing? (laughs) Little, little twerp, but, and, and also very gentle with her. Like they're very good with babies, 
But just seeing that, I was like, oh my gosh, Indra, like you have come out with the most personality. Um, and, and she's been like that ever since. Like she is so sweet too. And she's another one that shows that like sweet doesn't mean that you don't have sass. Um, but she also just like has so much sass and is such a firecracker (laughs) and she will like still try to push the older horses. I think now she kind of knows she, that's not her, like, it's not going to work. She's like a baby, but she also will like chase my dog. (laughs) Um, which is kind of good to see like in a playful way, because my dog, as I was saying, used to bark at the babies and still will. Like my dog doesn't like babies in general. She doesn't like puppies. She doesn't like young kids. She doesn't like foals. Like she just has some weird vendetta against young things. Um, and so when, again, in that 24 hours, right after I saw her pin her ears to try to move a big horse, um, she saw Freya, but instead of like letting Freya bark at her or um, feeling timid around Freya before Freya even did that. Indra chased Freya. Like she just saw Freya and then like took a little gallop at her and like chased her away. And that shocked Freya so much. I think in the beginning, just like tail tucked and was like, Oh wow, this baby is like getting to me before I even have a chance to do any barking. Um, and that, I don't know, that has just stayed with her. Like even now she'll like play with Freya and chase my dog around and uh her and Artemis also play together but she's a little bit more of a rough player like she'll just kind of like walk right up to Artemis and like slam her body into her and then Artemis will be like okay like let's not let's not go that far but they also have such a fun time but that kind of like firecracker attitude like Indra will just take off running and uh and she's still learning some like personal space boundaries. So like she will come running towards you too at this age and not in an aggressive way, but in a playful way that like, you know, there is kind of this play fighting and she's learning that humans can't really do that and that she needs to be safe with us. But it is really fun to see her like wild spirit, just like crackling out of her. And she's so much like her mom in that like kind of, sass she has but also again she's like so kind and loves her scratches and like just wants to be cuddled so yeah she's great okay and then very last not least um artemis artemis oh she's so great artemis is athena's daughter and artemis is honestly a lot like Athena, like just the sweetest, sweetest little foal like you'd ever met when she was first born, just lying in your arms, so trusting, like no fear. Um, and I think she got a lot, like her mom was just like, yes, you can trust the world and yes, you can like trust these people. And I think Artemis really has that same kind of nature in her. Um, and so she's a total cuddle bug. She just loves to be pet and loves to be uh, scratched and um, and to snuggle with you. And like her mom, she also is a total leader. Like I used to 
be able to move the mares um, and the whole herd by asking Athena to help me. And I really needed that because sometimes like I have to move them from like away from the stallions or I have to move them um, into a, a different area for a little bit in the sanctuary. Like there's just times where I've like really needed to move them and I didn't know how, you know, I can't use positive reinforcement and I also can't use pressure really. Like I don't really have that much access to either of them, um, especially in the beginning. But Athena would just like, I would ask her, like, just ask, like, will you help me move the herd? And she would like lead the herd with me. And now that has really been passed to her daughter. Um, Artemis, even though she's only, I guess she's almost a year old, not quite though, um, maybe like nine months old, um, she is the new leader. And uh, when I have to move the herd, I ask Artemis, like, will you come with me? And without hesitation, she wants to usually come be with me and, um, wants to help out and like collaborate and the whole herd will follow her. Usually like Artemis will get Indra following her and then kind of like everyone will come along. And, um, yeah, she just has that nature, I think in her to be like a real leader in that sense. And she also has the same as her mom, like this different relationship to fear um, and this confidence that Artemis is also very curious and not that scared of new things. So where it can, for a lot of horses, you know, there's something new. It could be their first reaction is fear. Artemis, her first reaction is definitely curiosity to almost everything I've seen her ever like come in contact with that's new. Um, oops. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> I am talking longer than I thought. That's okay. But yeah, so she like just doesn't have that much fear. Um, and when she does, she tends to lean towards curiosity. Um, which is so cool. And she's really just like one of the kindest little foals like I've ever met. Like everything about her is just the sweetest, like the most kind-hearted horse. Um, so she's brave. She's like not that scared of things, um, confident, but also just like the kindest, sweetest little girl. Um, and she feels very strong and hearty and she loves to go running around. Um, and she doesn't have much attitude at all. <laughs> like her and Indra are basically sisters now and like best friends. And I love seeing them play. And I love hanging out with both of them because uh, they're both so sweet. But Artemis like just doesn't have sass really in her. <laughs> um, and Indra is just full of it. And there's, you know, like this difference where Indra now is really, really comfortable with people. Um, she loves people. It was her choice to come up and she trusts. Um, but like, you can't really give Indra like a squeeze, you know, like if you really want to give Indra a hug, she like, she loves scratches. She loves being pet. But then if you give her a hug, she's kind of like, ah, it's a bit much. Like that's in my personal space. And Artemis is just like all about the hugs. Like her love language would definitely be like physical affection or phys physical touch too. Cause like, you can just like squeeze her and love on her and like drape yourself around her and she 
loves it. She's all about it. Um, so yeah, that's kind of all of them. It was really fun going through them and thinking about them and thinking about where they are right now and how they're doing. And I would be so curious to see which ones you guys are drawn to. Um, and to know, like, I don't know, like, have any of them like called out to you? Are they kind of similar to how you thought they would be from my descriptions? Like, I would like to know this so much. This fascinates me so much. If you could please go to my Instagram, no matter when you're listening to this and just comment, like which of the wild horses you feel drawn to, um, and what you think. I don't know. I just would love that. So yeah, you could go comment on little pistol Annie or even better, because I'll probably see it more with these guys in mind. Um, you could comment on Voices of the Herd, which actually that name is going to be changing soon. So I kind of like check the description of this video, because if you're listening to this and it's older, I've probably changed the name of that account. Um, so look in the description, you'll see it. It'll be like the Wild Horse Sanctuary Instagram page or whatever. Um, go there and tell me what you think about this um, at any time, because I would seriously love to know. Okay. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that because I did. Um, and now I do want to talk about, um, some medical care vet farrier slash games you can do with your horse to make all of those things a little bit easier. Um, they're kind of simple. I just kind of want to try to down some ideas. Um, again, that really have made a difference for me. They've really transformed things, but they're kind of small, you know? And I think sometimes little shifts can do a lot and make situations that are kind of stressful just maybe a lot easier. So let's get into it. So the one of the very first, and I thought about this because Nina actually mentioned it on one of our last podcasts, um, is the trick of putting dewormer in a bucket of grain instead of deworming your horse just with the tube in their mouth. I don't know why um, I wasn't doing this earlier. <laughs> uh, I have seven horses right now, and um, this actually works for all of them. So, you know, in the beginning, I thought maybe they would just not eat it or... Maybe I even had this thought and this feeling that like horses had to be able to take dewormer like in that way because that's how I'd seen it done. And I don't know whether I thought that was like at some point a respect thing or if I thought it just, you know, it should be done this way. I don't know. I don't know where my brain was coming at it. I don't think I was thinking about it that much, but I was giving dewormer just straight out of the paste and the tube into their mouth. And every time they would hate it, like they would do it. But I felt bad doing it. I felt bad that they were like associating me with me, like sticking something forcefully into their mouth. And, you know, I think if you have to do it that way, that's okay. You know, know that you're doing it for their health and there's nothing wrong with doing it that way. But if you can do it in a way that's easier for you and the horse and really easier for you too, I promise, um, why not? So... I put dewormers in buckets now and my horses just eat them all up. Uh, even India, who is my pickiest horse, she's very suspicious about medical things in general. And she's suspicious about um, 
tastes like medical, uh, whether it's butte or like antibiotics or whatever it is, like dewormer, anything that smells medical or smells like it actually isn't a cookie, she's very suspicious about. Um, but even she now will eat the dewormer in the bucket. And I'll tell you how I make it. I make it into this like really special treat so that like the horses all love it and look forward to like when in the year they actually get their dewormer. So I like to put in grain, usually like the sweetest grain I have, something that they don't always get only because I don't give a lot of grain, um, but it could be their normal grain bucket. And I put that on the bottom and then I squirt the dewormer, the amount they need on it. And then right on top of that glob of dewormer, I pour pure molasses on top of it. And you don't need a lot. If you have a very picky eater, the more molasses, the easier it is going to go down. But a lot of horses will just eat it mixed in with grain. But I like to put the molasses in it, um, stir that around. The paste is kind of mixed with the molasses. And then I mix the whole thing in together uh, so that it's coated into the grain. A couple of small tips for this. Uh, if you do have a picky eater, you want to, or suspicious eater, you want to make sure you're not putting it in too much grain, uh, but you also don't want it to be so little that the flavor uh, isn't masked because if it's too much grain, they might eat it for a while and then stop, you know, and you don't want that. You want them to eat the whole thing. So there's a good like happy medium. Um, maybe intuitively feel it out, like a little bit of a scoop, a little scoop of the grain and really make it good with the molasses. Um, it works. It really works. It works well. I hope it works for you. I can imagine maybe some horses it doesn't, but for most, most every single horse I've done it with, it works. Um, also for India, uh, if she's feeling suspicious of it, I feed Leah her like best friend next to her and Leah will just gobble it up. And usually as soon as she sees that Leah's eating her bucket and not suspiciously, something kicks in and she's like, well, I don't want, I don't want to be without a bucket and she'll eat it. So I use that as kind of a tip to like feed them next to another horse who's also eating, um, so that they maybe get a little jelly, a little jealous, um, <laughs> and confident, but yeah, why not do that? You know, if it, it makes my life so much easier with all these horses. And I also feel like it, if I can do it this way, it helps our trust because every time like I would stick that in their mouth, like, and they went from thinking I was just doing something nice to like bombarding them with something that I didn't want. Again, it's not the end of the world and your relationship will totally heal from it. But you know, it might take a little bit of a knock of a trust from that day. Um, or during that day. And so if I can avoid that, I just do. Also, yeah, it's just so much easier for me. Um, okay, so along this line of just like pure kind of like able to replace things with food, which just tends to be easier. Um, I give my own shots and I just give my horses shots while they are eating a bucket. Um, I make sure their head, usually I have someone like just hold the bucket in front of their face, um, so that their neck is like upright and, uh, and yeah, like, I don't know, this is so simple. I don't like try to clicker train it or anything really. I really just like feed them while I give the shot. And if like, you don't want them chewing while you're giving it, you can like feed them and then like, wait a second, do it real quick. And then make sure the bucket's still just right there. But just having their attention on, sorry, on, uh, eating the food, I think has just like, I don't know. It's been a very simple thing to do that has made a big difference. 
Um, most horses that I do this with that used to be kind of nervous with horses or with shots, they just think they're getting their bucket and it goes by really quick and they have no reaction at all. The only horse I have that um, does still give a reaction is again, India, who doesn't like any vet or medical stuff. And with her, like before doing this, like someone would hold her and you'd give her the shot and she'd be like trying to get away and running and like um, lifting her head, just like total protest, like hating it. And it was always hard and sad. And now like she is still suspicious, but she's way calmer and she just eats and I do it. And, uh, you know, she might flinch a little bit, but like for her, if that's the only reaction she has, it's great. And, um, yeah, like I said, most of them just don't even notice it's happening. And some horses are great with shots anyway, but you know, why not give them a little treat? That's, that's how I feel about it. I want a treat when I go to the doctor. <laughs> okay. So now on to more of like the games to do. So this has really changed, um, my eye drop game or my, uh, needing to put medical stuff in ears or, you know, like in eyes or all sorts of things. Um, and it's, teaching my horse, not when they need the medical thing, but before as a game, um, to target different places of their head to my hand. So for instance, Annie and I have a game where you might be familiar with the, um, the game, like just touch my hand, like a basic target. You put your hand out, they put their nose to it, click, you give them a treat. Um, and so they can target your hand, nose to hand. Um, and that's so quick. Like you can learn that they can learn it so quick. You guys can do it together. You can just like get a good target on your hand. It's great for leading. If you want to practice like them coming up to scary objects, they could target your hand. It tends to build more confidence. Um, if they have something to target and again, target just means like a body part of theirs touching like a target. So it could be your hand. It could also be like a ball on a stick, you know, like that could be a target. Um, It could really be anything. Uh, It could be a washcloth. Who knows? But the things that have really uh, changed uh, my medical game is targeting first eye to hand. So again, Annie and I have this thing where like I put my hand out and I face it towards her eye and she will press her eye into my hand. Um, And we do this as a game, not just when I need to put medical drops in. So I can just be like, hand eye and she'll just like lean her eye in and keep it there and we do it with both eyes and you start out like really simple like you put your hand up and you look at their eye and as soon as they kind of like move their head just a little bit closer to your hand you can click and reward and you just do that more and more until they can naturally on their own bring their eye closer and closer to your hand um I try to make sure that while I'm doing this, I'm not bringing my hand to their eye in any of the training process. I'm offering my hand as a cue, but I'm really trying to shape it so that they bring their hand or they bring their eye to my hand. Um, Because I want them to feel like there's this choice in it. And I'm not just trying to get them used to it. I'm trying to get them to feel comfortable and confident that I can offer it and they can um, offer themselves whether they want to engage or not. So I think that's really the key when it comes to medical stuff, because I started doing this game with Annie because she needed, um, eye 
medication in her eyes because she was getting irritated by flies. And part of what we had was like this, these kind of like jelly drops that she needed to have. And before I was doing this, like I'd have the halter on her and I'd be like coming at her eye with this little tube and she'd be like flinching away. And I was like, there has to be like an easier way where like she can choose to be part of this. And I don't have to just be like approaching her and like going at her face, you know, like there has to be an easier way for both of us. And, you know, I thought of this game of target hand to eye or eye to hand. And I wasn't sure if that would translate to medical stuff. So I was like, you know, she can do this, but once she sees the tube of medication and I want to show it to her very clearly, like, this is what we're doing. So I'm not trying to surprise you or like bombard you with it. I want you to see, I'm going to ask for your eye, but I have this tube in my hand. Like, will you still choose to target my hand? And amazingly, the answer has always been yes. And it's so much easier. And I think the choice of her saying, okay, you're asking for my eye. I know you're going to put drops in my eye, but I can choose to come to you and I can do it on my time and not just have this jar or this like little tube coming at my eye, like a little poker, um, I think makes all the difference for Annie. And so now, um, it's so easy to put stuff in her eye. I target her eye to my hand a couple times. Then I show her the tube. I ask her to target my hand again. She puts her eye there and then she just lets me, she keeps it there while I just open the tube and like squirt a little bit in her eye. And she just holds it there the whole time. And it is so much easier. (laughs) And it's something I think we don't often think to do uh, with horses is just even asking for their consent to be like a participant and what we're doing to their body. Um, I think it makes so much difference. Like, I don't know. I thought that maybe she just hated the eye drops for the eye drops, but now that she has a choice in it, she doesn't actually mind it that much. And she's really good about it and really fine. Um, having a say. So yeah, I think that makes a big difference. And I can imagine, you know, if I was at the doctor and they had to do something for me, like I want to say like, okay, yeah, I'm ready for the shot. Like you can do it now, you know, and I might close my eyes and like look the other way. But if the doctor, if I was just in the room and he just came up to me with the shots and just started coming right at me and I wasn't ready. Oh my God. I think I'd be so mortified and freaked out and Um, I would be tense the whole time and like running around. And I feel like that's kind of how horses feel when we're just coming at them with these things. And again, we have to do it. Like, it's not that bad if they are freaking out. Like, it's for the better. You know, we have a good intention, but why not make it easier? And why not have them be part of the process? So like the eye to hand, you can also do ear to hand, which is also really good for horses that... um, don't like their ears touched. Um, you know, I like to be really respectful of horses that are ear shy because usually something's happened and I don't want to just like go up and grab them or like go up and, um, hold them with a halter and, you know, make them feel that like, no, I'm not going to do anything to you. Like, I think it's traumatizing a little bit, even just to have like that forced upon them when they have a bad association with their ears being touched. So you can do this too, even to just help with head shyness targeting the ear to the hand. Again, a really important part of this is you're not pursuing their ear with your hand. They're bringing your hand their or their ear to your hand. 
even and especially in all of the training. So keeping your hand at the same place, you have an offer cue, and let them slowly, bit by bit, bring their head closer to you. And in the beginning, that might just be they shift their head towards you, you click, you reward. Um, then they might, you might wait for them to bring it a little bit closer and a little bit closer the more you click and you shape it into um, ear to hand. But don't pursue them hand to ear. Uh, if you want to do this as this kind of game and like, um, this kind of, uh, cue it's, it's, it might take more time. It probably will to get them to bring their, um, head down and their ear to your hand, but it doesn't take that much time. Like even for horses that have been like twitched, you know, through their ears and have like bad associations, like I have worked with them and, they are so much happier and so much more confident when they get to choose to bring their ear to your hand. And then it's like, once you've proven that trust and they know that they can come to you instead of you like just pursuing them, so many of the issues that you have with it will just be gone. It'll, you know, you might be doing this for a medical reason. Like you want to put goop in their ears for flies or, you know, whatever. Um, but then you'll see it like trickle off into other areas. Like if you're putting on a halter and they're usually head shy, if you've worked in this way where they get to choose and they bring their ear to you, that head shyness might just completely go away. Um, and I find that it often does. So a lot of these like medical things like have a lot to do with making sure you're asking for the horse's participation and that they have a choice. So, uh, Next, this one uh, also might seem kind of simple, but for horses, for instance, that have never uh, been shod or never have been trimmed, um, picking up their legs for the first time, if you're kind of like teaching that, I really like to teach them to pick up their feet on their own without me holding it. And there's nothing wrong with putting your you know, hand down and picking up the horse's foot. But especially in the beginning, I really like to teach them that they can choose like if they want to pick up their foot from me. And I find that later, even when a farrier comes in or a trimmer comes in and they, they do the normal thing where they go and they pick up the foot, um, most of my horses already have the foot lifted waiting for them by the time they do that. So they don't have to have the like rough grabbing of the foot because as soon as someone puts their attention on their foot, they're like, oh, I know this game and they pick up their foot um, because it's fun. And we've made it a game prior to trimming. Um, so yeah, I really like to work on that. I like to work on pointing at their feet and they pick it up for me and then being able to look at their feet actually and they can pick them up for me as games. So the way you can start this, and this one's a little bit harder to explain completely on uh, on this podcast because I'd like to show you visuals, but like the basic idea is putting your focus on their foot and then clicking for when they move their foot without the help of your arm, without you picking it up. And you can really play around with this and you can shape it. And it's really, it's fun to let the horse um, be freer and in these like play sessions and they get to try things with their body on their own and we're not just like telling them what to do or how to move. So I usually like to start with like looking at the foot I'm putting fo focus on it. And as soon as they move it, even just a little bit clicking and rewarding. 
And you can do that all the way through a full pick, a full pickup. You know, you start with like they just shift their weight off and then maybe they take a step up a little bit and then you start clicking for them not stepping back because sometimes they'll try stepping backwards first. So you like, you don't click for that. And then you start clicking instead when they pick it up and they just hesitate straight up and you click and you reward for that and you throw them a party for that. And you can do that without touching them. You can teach a horse to pick up their feet um, without touching them the entire, like the whole way through to where you can just like look at it the whole time. And the whole time it's just been like your attention on their foot that um, cues the pickup. So I really like to do that, you know, at the end when they do finally pick it up, fully and they didn't need your help. You throw them a party, you give them a big jackpot. Um, and you just make this cue that you think of it as a game and then it becomes very useful in vet situations, very useful in trimming or farrier situations. Um, so that, yeah, I just like that for my horses that if someone comes in and maybe they're rougher than me, but I want them to like, you know, give them a good trim. Um, my horses don't even really have to deal with the roughness because I can even be standing there and I can look at their foot and ask them to pick up their foot. And then by the time the person is already bent down, like ready to kind of grab it, uh, their foot's already up and there, we're just having a game. So that, that is a, yeah, that one's really handy and just a different way to think about it. You know, that's kind of what I like about these. Okay. Let's see. Um, okay. Trailering. This one is also kind of simple, but I think it's important. I think it, um, it really changes those moments where you like have to evacuate, or maybe you know, you're going to be trailering somewhere and you want to be prepared. Um, making the trailer a game, um, when you're not going somewhere. So for instance, I really like to bring the trailer into a place where we're working with the horses and not have the intention of driving them away or trailering that day, but instead just having stepping into the trailer being the fun game that we work on in and of itself. It's a game. So we work on going in, we work on going out. Um, and I like to feed them in there, you know, just like work on bringing their feet in, make it a game. And then like, just start giving them buckets in the trailer and start giving them hay in the trailer so that every time they go to the trailer, they're not going on a ride. Um, it kind of is simple. Uh, I probably won't go in the whole detail of how you train them to go in. Um, but if you make it a game and you do it at Liberty, and even if they're on a halter, like if you go with the mindset of Liberty, where it's not that they have to go in and you're not using pressure to get them in, but rather you're just rewarding for their tiny steps and their interests, um, it makes it really fun and it makes it really different. It makes your trailering experiences really different. Um, and so I think that's just a good thing to, to do. You know, if you have a trailer, if you have access to play around with it, uh, why not? And, and I just do want to stress on that. Like it is really nice to have time where you're not like having to trailer right then, because then you can really take pressure out of the equation. Um, because if there's like a pressure that you need to get in again, that's totally fine. If you're in that situation, you have to use pressure. Like I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but even to just take the pressure off your own mind of like, 
if the horse doesn't get in the trailer today, no big deal. It can be a lot more relaxed and a lot more fun. Um, and it's something that I just like to bring the trailer out every, you know, year or six months or whatever, and just like play around with it. Like it's just trailer week and we're like having fun with it. Um, okay. And the last one, um, I just thought of yesterday because, uh, baby, one of my younger horses, uh, was having like a choke, uh, scenario and it passed through and it was totally fine. But one of the things that that was saying was like, keep her head low, you know, if you can like have her, have her head low and then maybe she can like work it out of her throat a little bit easier. The like glob of food she had stuck in there. Um, and it had me thinking about sometimes we need to be able to like bring a horse's head low or have it at like normal height or maybe even bring it up. You know, I can't think about that scenario or I can't imagine that scenario as much, but all these different like head heights might be something that your vet asks you to do, um, for various reasons. And that is something you can totally do as a game. Um, and yesterday, like I hadn't ever done that with baby, so I didn't have a cue to ask her head to be low. So, you know, we think of like, have their head low, like pulled down on the lead rope. Um, but you don't actually have to do that. You can teach it at Liberty. And I have a cue with a lot of my other horses where I lower my head or I put my focus on the ground and they lower their head. Um, so we can be walking and I can shift my, uh, eyes to the ground and kind of like have that, the feeling of me, like as if I was a horse putting my head on the ground or lowering it down and they will shift with me and put their head low on the ground, which could be cool for riding. It could be cool for walking. It's also great for, um, horses that are in stressful situations and their head is really high. If you have a cue where you can ask them to lower their head without having to pull on them and like increasing their stress, um, you can naturally start to lower their stress. So that's great. You know, for maybe a medical situation, they're nervous. You can ask them to lower their head. That can be, um, that can be really helpful in that scenario and calming them. And also it could be helpful if, you know, they have choke and they need to work it out. Um, and so, yeah, another big important part of that is teaching it without the pressure of a halter. You can do it when they have a halter on, but I like to train it as a game with no pressure on them. Again, we're not trying to move their body. Um, we're trying to let them move their body and then we're just rewarding for, um, what they're already doing. So, um, I like to do just what I said. I like to kind of teach how I want the NQ to be. That's something that's like kind of important in my training or that I really like to follow is the cue at the beginning can be the cue at the end. So we're not escalating anything. So I start by focusing my energy and my focus on the ground while standing next to the horse. And when I do that, if a horse is in tune and they're in a good place, a lot of times they'll shift their head down just a little bit and then I'll click for that. Um, and then again, we'll just shape from there. We'll get like little shifts, tiny little shifts, like them looking at the ground to they move their head a few inches down. Um, and then they move their head like more inches down and we just shape and shape and shape it. Um, rewarding for the things we see, um, of going lower and lower, uh, without ever having to touch them. And then at the end, you know, you can just like put your focus on the ground and their head goes straight down. Um, with that, because it can be a fun game. I also like to do pick head up. So head down and then I'll pick my head up really fast. Um, 
and see if that'll pick their head up fast and I'll go at different rates and just make a fun game out of it and see if you guys can mimic each other's head position. And also, this is not me like bending my head like to the actual ground. It's just me energetically thinking if I was a horse, my head would touch the ground. So it's like I move my head maybe like an inch, like I'll move my head an inch towards the ground, just kind of looking at it. And that will be the cue for like head to the ground. Um, And then I'll pick my head straight up just like a couple inches and the horse can pick their head straight up and we can do it together and kind of mimic each other. And it's very useful and really fun. And I really think it's good to be able to do that without the halter so that if you are in a stressful situation, you don't need to add any pressure, which might escalate, uh, their stress. You know, it might not, doesn't for all horses, but like if they're really nervous, it, it might a little bit. Um, so it's nice to also like in this scenario, like a medical scenario, I also didn't really want to be pulling on her head. Um, and if she could just do it on her own, I think it would be better for like the flow of her body and trying to cough stuff up and pass it, um, without me kind of interfering. So that's why I also really like these different things is I feel like they're not that, um, invasive and they don't really interfere with the natural process the horse is going through. Um, And yeah, so that was kind of the things that I wrote down, just a few ideas. Uh, Thank you guys for being here and for listening to this episode. If you guys want any more ideas or if there's other like medical um, scenarios where you're like, I had a really stressful situation with this, like what might I do? You know, I don't think I've thought of everything here. This was just kind of some that came to my head. So you can let me know and I can, uh, yeah, we could talk about it in the comments or maybe even like another podcast if you guys have some questions i can just do like a brainstorm idea segment of the podcast and we can kind of go through the things that i have found to be helpful thank you guys so much for being here um i really love you all appreciate it like you guys are amazing and i will see you next week with a brand new episode